What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Natty Nights. Uh, live on three platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and the Dose of OJ YouTube channel, which uh, doing our best to get another episode of Dose of OJ. If you have not listened to that, uh, to that podcast, there's a, a mixture of uh, life, sports, and uh, we, we try and have a good time over there. So um, the co-host of that show, Owen, uh, Owen Watterson, is, uh, has got some life things going on. So once we, once we get all that situated, uh, we'll be back at it. But these streams, as always, brought to you by BUSR.com. Uh, slash Josh, get yourself a sign up bonus over there, and uh, just start gambling. I'm doing so much winning today, and in the past, honestly, the past couple weeks, uh, I shouldn't say that, the past couple days feels really good. But uh, joining me today in place of Ryan at Big J and BB Show is Duke Coughlin at that Pod Guy Duke on Twitter. Um, Duke, we're we're we got a full show today, so we're gonna dive right in. But uh, how things going today? And uh, again, thanks for your time. You know, they'd be a lot better if uh, oh. the Blackhawks didn't lose in overtime. Yep. But I will I will say I did enjoy the fight, especially in the second period, but uh, we'll definitely get to that. Um, but, you know, I'm cracking some bush lights today. I got the day off. Had to take it off for the Hawks. So, uh, <laughs> Wait, yeah. you took it off? Oh, okay. So let me, let me just start it. Let me just okay. start out a little story here. I am so fanatical about Chicago sports that legitimately when I get my vacation every year with my job, I've been with my job for almost three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I plan ahead. So like, say if, if there's a primetime game for the bears taking a half day guaranteed, if I'm going to a bears game, taking that Monday <laughs> off guaranteed. And if the Blackhawks are in the playoffs, you know, a little different this year, considering that it's just like, we're in the, almost in the fall now. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I am at least taking a half day, had to take a full day because the game was at four 30, but anything past six o'clock that's during the week, chances are I'm taking it off. Uh, respect, respect. I, I used to try to do that in school. My parents were like, no, nah, you're going to school. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a little harder, a little harder to handle when you got someone else calling the shots. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Duke, I don't know if you're if you're much of a betting guy. But before the before we get into these topics, we always get into the bets that we have placed. And yesterday, I'd, I mentioned on Twitter that I had a five in one day, which felt really good. And and today, um, you know, I was hesitant on taking the Hawks, and we'll get to that in a second. They were plus one seventy on BUSR, and uh, every every other game. And honestly, after the league, I'm like, nah, I just don't feel good about this. The only one that I took were the Rays. And they were minus 170, uh, pretty heavy favorites over Boston. The last time I checked, it was 16 to five. So uh, I mean, I, I got, I'll take another win. I don't know. I mean, 10 bucks won me like five. So um, it, it's it is what it is. I'll take another win, six and one in my last seven. So that feels pretty good. Do you 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 uh even even a minute gambler or no? So I, I as big of a sports guy as I am, I'm not huge with like daily sports betting. Um, I definitely kind of recognize that there is a pattern there. And honestly, with how much I know about sports, not trying to brag, I could probably win some pretty decent money if if I were to jump into it. But uh, honestly, dude, I am a, I'm a big poker guy. I'm a big poker guy. I'm a big right. blackjack guy. And uh, I've won a lot of money on slot machines, surprisingly. So that's that's really where I put my money whenever I uh, really get to the betting side of things. But, um, you know, a Super Bowl bet, World Series bet. Um, sure. I know the White Sox World Series bet a couple months ago was looking really nice. And I really <laughs> wish I would have hopped on that. But, I mean, COVID kind of made everything a little complicated there. But, I mean, yeah, dude, I recognize that there's definitely money to be made out there and uh, definitely see – see guys like you i see uh good old dj mustard over on twitter as well crushing uh, it. really 
really crushing it lately. I mean, so there's money to be made. So possibility I could hop into that. Yeah, uh, DJ Mustard. I, I failed to uh, to recognize him as uh, the betting voice of OnTap Sportsnet. Um, tweets out his bets pretty much every day, and uh, they are posted on OnTapSportsnet.com. Um, look, is every is anybody an expert really in gambling? No, but DJ Mustard's got some dubs under his belt, so um, give him a follow on Twitter. And um, the only one that I had again today is, is the race. I think I think going into this weekend, there's going to be a lot of action on my ticket, but um, we'll we'll see how that goes. So as we dive into this show, talked about a little bit Blackhawks. Um, I'll just I'll give you the floor. Actually, what what is your uh, what's your takeaway from Game Two as they drop this game in overtime against Vegas? So. Um... I successfully wanted to pull my hair out for about the first 80 minutes, the first four periods of this playoff series, because uh, it just really didn't look like a lot of the effort was there. It didn't look like timing was there. Everything just seemed a little bit off. Um, seemed like everyone got a little bit like into their heads. Um, Corey Crawford. I love the guy. I really do. And man, I would, I would probably still take him six out of seven days a week, but it's, it's all about these just easy goals that he lets in that really ends up hurting the team. But, you know, I, I can't say that today. I can't say that today. I saw some stuff on Twitter about some easy goals of Corey Crawford. Um, I don't think there, there were just very, there was a lot of key situations where say uh, Dylan Strom not shooting the puck and passing it back into the zone. And then, um, our defenseman ends up having to deal with a two on, or three on one, essentially going back to the net where if Corey doesn't block the first puck anyway, he has two other shooters waiting, staring him in the eye. Um, just overall, like I said, the first four periods of this playoff series were just difficult to watch mm -hmm. because, um, you know, Jonathan Taze obviously was showing a lot of aggression out there. Um, he's been doing that the entire playoffs, but obviously one guy can't do it. One thing I will say is Patrick Kane showed up tonight. You know, obviously oh, yeah. on the on the score sheet, he obviously showed up. But even before he scored his first point, you could see there was something different in the guy when he came out uh, in the first period. Um, constant hustle, constant, you know, offense, defense, whereas, you know, really in the play postseason so far. And I put this in my uh, latest Blackhawks story. Where is Patrick Kane? Uh, that's how I titled it, of course. But um Really, it just kind of looked like he was disinterested, and that just wasn't something we've ever, ever seen out of Patrick Kane. And uh, this game, he kind of realized that it was his job to kind of take control. Um, best way I could put it, I'm very disappointed in how the game went. Uh, the second period was awesome to watch. I think if the Blackhawks play like they did in the second period, balls to the wall, constantly shooting at the puck, constantly keeping pressure on the opposing team, I think they're a hard team to beat. But obviously that's not something they can hold on to for an, for an entire three periods. And that's really becoming the biggest issue with this Hawks team early on as we go down Oh two to the Vegas golden Knights. Yeah. So my, uh, my takeaway and uh, look, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this and, and that's fine. I'm, I'm going to die on this Hill actually. Um, mm -hmm. Vegas is the better team. And I know that again, there's, there's people that are like, no, that's, that's not true. Uh, you know, if you look at the Blackhawks top six and Vegas's top six, it's damn near identical. Um, I just I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the personnel is um, is better on on Vegas. I, I think, you know, they have they have a little bit more um, they have more balance to their lineup is is what it feels like. And 
and I the reason I say that they're better is because they don't they don't really make mistakes. They they play a really clean hockey game and they're able to capitalize on 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 mistakes that that the Hawks make. Um, and they also get lucky. I mean, whether we want to think it or not, luck has a, a little bit to do with, with every single sport. Um, it just kind of feels like the Hawks are, at least in game one, and, and I tweeted this, uh, it, it felt like they were, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit, um, a little bit lackadaisical. Like, like they kind of, uh, they, they put, they had a sit back approach. And then in game two, obviously the first period, eh. the second period though, like you said, I mean, it was it was awesome to watch watch the Hawks really put the put the pedal to the metal, and uh, and then the third period. The third period is where I kind of knew they were going to lose that game, is is because, first of all, you get outshot fifteen to six, Crawford makes numerous giant saves, um, some breakdowns defensively, and you know the offense just it just didn't look like like Vegas was able to lock it down and. Then you go into overtime, and you know you have a little bit of a quick start. You get a post, and then uh, by by Shrom, and then Vegas comes back, and and then they have this crazy offensive rush, and then the the puck gets cleared. They come right back, and you're like, yeah, okay, well, game's over. So, look, I know there's some people that said, you know, Hawks and seven, Hawks and six. Okay, so the Hawks are down two zero. I said Vegas in six. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Vegas in five. I know people yeah, are going to hate that, but it's it's. I, I'm just being honest. Well, I mean, dude, honestly, you know, you could hate everything that you just said all you want. That doesn't mean that it's not true. Um, and you know, I I don't I don't think I'm at that point where I think Vegas in five yet, because I think the Hawks honestly did show me a lot tonight, and that's why I'm not as upset as I probably was. Uh, the first 10 minutes after that game, I was pretty upset. I'm not going to lie, but I, I feel, I feel a lot better than I did a while ago because I'm starting to kind of hit me. Um, you know, I, it's, I don't think, I think it's an undisputed fact that Vegas is a more talented team. You know, I, I hate to say that, you know, I, you know, people could say the top, you know, our top six do look, you know, maybe comparable. I, I I'm, I have a hard time even saying that dude Carlson hasn't done anything in this series and they're still beating us. That scares me. Mm-hmm. Uh, March assault is eating us alive. The guy, when he's not scoring the puck, he's feeding it to the score. Riley Smith, who any of us should have been, nobody was paying attention to before the series started has been eating us alive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you don't have Max Pas- uh, Pasc, out there. You, you know, Mark stone really hasn't even made too much of an impact yet. This team is loaded. You know, I was talking to, I was talking to Comiskey the other day on Twitter and uh, he even said himself that he thinks Vegas is probably the best team in the NHL. Um, I still have to give that, I think, to the Colorado Avalanche because I think they're loaded, especially with McKinnon, Ranton, and all that. Uh, they're ridiculously loaded. They're built to win. Yeah. Um, but I really think, um, even with the talent that Vegas has, that the Blackhawks did show that there is chinks in the armor. There is, there is something there, you know? And, you know, I, I, it's not – everything you said was true. Everything you said – there's a strong chance of it happening. Dude, there's a good chance that the Blackhawks get swept, that they don't even end up pulling off a game. Um, but I really think we get the red sweaters back on on Saturday, I believe. Um, I think this is really a game where this has to be answered. If we go down 3-0, I don't have any confidence left. If we can pull off pull off of this next game going up and uh, 
go into what is it Sunday? Yep, Sunday, Sunday, or Sunday late afternoon. It? Yep. If we go if we go into Sunday two to one, I'm feeling a lot more confident. Um, I really I really kind of noticed it in the first series that it took Corey Crawford a little bit to get warmed up into the into uh kind of into the swing of things. And I think we've really seen that from the first game where Corey really was not good in the first game. And Corey wasn't really that great in the first period of this last game. But you saw him gradually get stronger as the game went on. Even if you could debate that last goal really wasn't his fault. He was just taking a ton of shots on goal right there. Yeah. But um, I think that's, that's going to be it because defense has been shaky so far. Um, Duncan Keith is going to be able to skate until he has a walker, but you know, you can only ask so much from one. <laughs> There's going to be skates him. on those walkers. Oh, absolutely, dude. Yeah. Duncan Keith is Yadimir Yager. Yeah. Okay. Duncan Keith is playing until he's 60. Um, but you know, I, I really think the Blackhawks are only going to go as far as Corey Crawford allows us to go. That, that's exactly it. I'm, I'm glad that you said that and, and that you closed your point out with that because here's, here's where my head is going into Saturday's game three. So it's a Saturday night game. And then you play Sunday after Sunday late afternoon. Do the Knights go back to back with Robin Leonard? That's going to be an interesting thing because Mark Andre Fleury, he's a Hall of Fame goaltender, no doubt, but he is the weaker of the two. So, and, and Robin Leonard obviously is playing with a chip on his shoulder against the Blackhawks. Which, by the way, Robin Leonard still hasn't lost as a Golden Knight. He is seven and zero. You you have to strategize a little bit if you're Vegas is like, do we, do we go with Leonard? I mean, he's red hot right now. Do we go with him Saturday night and, and then maybe see how he feels on Sunday or do we chance it and play Leonard on Saturday and then, or I'm sorry, play, play flurry on Saturday. And then if, you know, by chance we win on Saturday and we're up three Oh, we'll bring Leonard back to clinch it on Sunday afternoon. And that's just something to think about for Blackhawks fans on the other side of things. You got to go with Crawford. Crawford's your guy. Malcolm Subban has no business playing in the playoffs, and um, you know, I, I I mean, it is what it is. I, I'm I'm kind of shocked that that Delia uh, or Lankinen aren't aren't your backup guy. How you have more confidence in Malcolm Subban is it because he has more service time? I don't I don't know what the hell that has to do with, but Corey Crawford's the guy, and if if the Hawks lose on Saturday, I'm with you. I think it's over. Like I, I think it's over. I, I think the I think the Hawks drop Sunday too then. And and this is just a sweep. And let me get in front of this though. I'm cool if we get swept. Like, is it is it awesome to get swept? No. But we had no business even being here. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and that's that that's the reality of it. And I've been seeing a lot of that on Blackhawk, you know, on Blackhawks Twitter when we do take a loss. I even saw it in the Edmonton series. So, you know, honestly, really anything is a bonus at this point. Um, I think the biggest thing as a lifelong, like, well, I can't say lifelong, but I've been defending Jonathan Tays pretty good for the last five years because mm-hmm. I've been running into a lot of people saying that that guy is washed. And I think if we can gather, hey, yeah, I know, okay. I know. Trust me, they're they're out there. Um, <laughs> I think at least one thing we can gather out of this playoff series, and even with how Kane just played in this last game, I think that's another huge plus, is that. Those two guys right there, they still have hockey left in them, and they still have a good amount of hockey left in them. You know, I does Jonathan Taze look tired to you? Because I don't see it. Does Patrick Kane look tired to you after a game like that? Because I don't see it. You know, and those are those are the two guys who have been running the show for, I, let's be honest, since 2010. You know, you could you could add in a Marion Host and stuff like that, but you know, yeah. 
that still doesn't happen without Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. Um, so I think that kind of maybe instill some confidence in the front office that we continue to build around those two guys. I'm not bringing up Duncan Keith because I'm just, I, I'm waiting for the day for his downturn to happen. It still really hasn't that guy. Anytime he's on the ice, I feel confident, but it just, it, it's one of those things where you're just kind of waiting for it to happen at this point. And you almost wouldn't blame him because he didn't fall off at like a, you know, 33, like a, a Brent Seabrook did, but <sighs> You know, I, I love Seabrook, but I mean, goddamn, dude. Uh, so, you know, it's if we do get swept, if we don't go anywhere in the playoffs, we can at least go into next year still knowing Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane are worth building around. And yeah. I think with us being the youngest team in the playoffs right now, I think that uh, that might give us a little bit of confidence to uh, stick with some of the guys we have and possibly bring in, you know, a strong, you know, a high price veteran or something like that or somebody who could uh, really kind of, uh, solidify say like uh, another defenseman for a pairing or something like that you know I do love the youth but we there are guys that are probably not going to be on this team next year that we're going to need to kind of cut the slack and we need to bring in somebody if we want to make one final run with this core to well what's crazy what's crazy is like I would feel confident in this team if to if to was going he's not going he's ice cold like Say what you want about his his on-ice play, right? Say what you want about his positioning and things like this. Look, if you're not filling the back of the net, what is it? I mean, wh- what is it? Like, you score 40-plus goals, and then you completely tank after signing this contract extension, and we're, we're missing you in the playoffs. Like, that's just it. I would feel more confident if Taves, Kane, Debrinkit, Strom, Kubelik were going. Those are our scores. Those are the guys. All right. Well, well to correct you, Kubelik is definitely still going. Oh, I mean, Ku- no, Kubelik is going. Debrinkit's not. Yeah. And, you know, I, you, nail, you nailed on the head. You know, if I can kind of just try to take this point, because I've been following Strom and Debrinkit for far too long. I've been, I've been watching them since the Erie Otter days. Um, I have family out in Pennsylvania. My girlfriend's from Pennsylvania. So, I mean, it's, there's definitely a connection there. Um, you know, it, it's, it just boggles the mind. You don't, you don't understand why they aren't playing the way they should, you know, cause Stroman to bring it, they have chemistry and we even saw it tonight. Yeah. That chemistry yeah. is still there. It's just, for some reason, they just cannot get it going. And, you know, like you said, when Alex to isn't scoring goals, it, what is he's not a physical guy, you know, he's a smaller guy. He's not really anything on defense. You know, I I've seen him listed as a centerman. I do not want Alex to bring it in my, in my face off <laughs> circle. Um, and, you know, Strom honestly isn't anything in the face-off circle either, if we're being totally honest. So, you know, we need those two to be scoring po- uh, scoring points, you know, goals, assists, anything. We need that because they're really not giving us anything else when they're not doing that. Um, the only plus side that really kind of hit my head was, you know, possibly getting Strom back on a cheaper deal because of how he's playing right now, yeah. you know, compared to having to sign him to a big deal where we'd have to make some difficult decisions on some other players. But, uh, you know, I really think with how Strom has played in this playoffs and how Kirby Doc has played in this playoffs, I don't think he really has a lot to stand on a negotiating table. Um, so, you know, Debrinkit has to get it going. There's nothing uh, nothing that can be said about, you know, not really a whole lot more that can be said about that. He's got to get it going. We He signed the deal. We got him. He has to produce. Um, but really, where we go from there, it's – 
it's still really about the top guys. It's about the Kubalik. It's about the Saad. It's about the Taze. It's about the Kane. Those are the guys that you want to surround people with. And that's really where a lot of these decisions are going to be made. Because, you know, if Debrinkit doesn't start scoring, then that's trade bait. If Strom doesn't start scoring, that's a guy you might let walk. Um, Bowman's going to have a lot of tough decisions coming up into this offseason. Yeah, well, we'll see how that goes in it all. It's it's uh it, it could possibly start unraveling on Saturday night, game three between the Blackhawks and Vegas Golden Knights. So we'll move on a little bit to uh to a different sport. The uh baseball here in Chicago has it's been damn good. It's been damn good. I can't speak too much on the Cubs side, although they do have the best record in the major leagues. Um anybody who wants to come on here and talk Cubs, you know where to get me. But let's talk White Sox for a second. You and I are both big White Sox fans. Um, look, you start one and four, and it doesn't feel great. And then you go on this six-game winning streak, and now you find yourselves at 10-9 and nine after taking two or three in Detroit. What is your synopsis on the White Sox so far? Uh, our starting pitching is not nearly as deep as we thought it was, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, and I think that's gotten a lot of calls to uh, old Don Cooper, which, you know, the, f- the fair play, Don Cooper's kind of been on the hot seat for what, 10 years now. <laughs> I don't um, think there's really such thing as a hot seat with Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, it, honestly, Don Cooper doesn't even accept a paycheck. He accepts a free ticket to the buffet after every game. So that's, <laughs> that's about where we go with that. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see a White Sox team that you know can contend, that that there's talent here that it's obvious, that there's no more of this potential thing, mm-hmm. that we're legitimately shooting ourselves in the foot. It's not we are not talented enough to win games. You know what I mean? Because every game I've watched, you know, even the ones that we've gotten blown out in, there's still that idea that will keep you watching for that extra inning because it's like, you know, there, there's talent here, you know. Well, who's coming up in the lineup? The four, five, six? Well, Hell, that's Abreu, Eloy, and uh, Grandal. You know what I mean? That, that there's still power there. Um, and you know, I went on a rant about this on Twitter the other night. I don't know if you caught it. I, oh, I was really worked up. But it's, it's we have all this talent, and it just feels like there's nothing bringing it together. And that all starts with the manager. Rick Renteria, man. And, uh, you know, I love what Dallas Keuchel said. And any Chicago White Sox fan who doesn't love what Dallas Keuchel said, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're watching. I don't know if you're really paying attention. Maybe, uh, you know, we got a tack hammer in the back. You know, Tommy can come help you with it. But, <laughs> but, but, dude, like, Dallas Keuchel shouldn't have to be the guy to say this. We don't know. We do not have a manager right now that will hold players accountable. And that's a giant problem, especially Mm -hmm. in in an MLB clubhouse of guys who are talented, who know they're talented, who know they can win baseball games. Guys have to be held accountable. Like, you know, look what happens when Eloy Jimenez feels a little bit of heat. You know what I mean? When Eloy Jimenez hears Dallas Keuchel call him out or, you know, maybe not specifically, but call out the bets. He goes Oppo two days in a row. You know what I mean? And he, he's, he's aggressive at the plate again. You know, what happens when you bring in a Tim Anderson who Tim Anderson does not take it. He doesn't take it from anybody. Look what happens to this lineup. They're injected with life. Accountability has to be 
the thing with this team. And it's it, that's the thing with every winning Major League Baseball team. You know, I'm, I'm, I've never been big on the whole idea that you need a coach or a manager or whatever in any sport that's screaming at you constantly or telling you that, oh, you're garbage. You know, you need to you need to just rub a little bit of dirt on. You know what I mean? I, the Mike Ditka idea. I think everyone gets that in their head whenever you think of that, that right. hard-nosed, tough coach. You don't need that. You need a guy who is legitimately unafraid to call you out. He does not care what number it says on your contract. He does not care if you're Roger Dorn and you don't take ground, you know, grounders at spring training. Guess what? You're taking grounders. You're not above the team. When you're not producing, you're very, very replaceable. We will find a way to get you out of the lineup until you want to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I think that gets, you know, what does that remind White Sox fans of? That reminds White Sox fans of Ozzie Gann. Let's be honest here. I'm not saying we need to hire an Ozzie Gian, but what's the last World Series manager in the last 10 to 20 years who you would consider as a nice player coach type of guy? Yeah, and I think I'm glad you said that because there's a lot of people who there's myself included. Um, a lot of White Sox fans have a bipolar relationship with with Ricky Renteria, like the the whole saying right of Ricky's boys don't quit. You know, he's got that resiliency and, and like, hey, guys, like, let's not give up here. But you're right. I, I mean, he's in the same camp as Jeremy Colladin for me that like he he's just not a coach that's going to go into the locker room, throw a bundle of bats and go pick your shit up. He's just not like he's not that guy. And you've played sports. I've played sports, man. Sometimes you just need it as a player. Sometimes you need your coach to grab you by the collar and go, you need to wake up or you're going to be gone. Like. 16 years old, my coach grabbed me by my jersey and said, if you don't get your head out of your ass, you're benched the rest of the game. And I'm like, all right, well, it looks like I need to play better. <laughs> and I played better. Like, it, it's just a lot of people, and I think it's a culture thing, and I'm not trying to get, like, I'm not trying to go boomer on everybody, but, like, have some thick skin, okay? You don't have to, I don't have to, I shouldn't have to protect your feelings. They were like, we're here to win baseball games. So... I'm with you. Ricky Renteria is not the guy. In fact, I wrote an article a couple years ago about who the who the World Series manager of the White Sox is going to be. It's definitely not Ricky Renteria. But as we head into this uh, to this to this weekend, no game on Friday between the St. Louis Cardinals and, and Chicago White Sox because of COVID. Thanks a lot, 2020. We appreciate that. And um, it, likely a doubleheader on Saturday. So we have a good opportunity to push ourselves more in the middle of this division and, and solidify ourselves. Do you think, cause St. Louis hasn't played a game in like 17 days. And, and I think on Saturday it's going to be 19. I could be a little bit off on that. Give or take. Who do you think this goes, this goes to uh, the advantage of Do the Sox have the advantage. Cause they get two days off and, and you know, guys like Moncada can rest up the bullpen usage, 4.6 uh, pitchers a game in the last 10, by the way. Um, they get a couple days off, or is it St. Louis who might have to replace a couple guys? I'm not sure the status on that, but they're going to come back. I mean, <laughs> they're going to come back totally 100%. Um, I got to get it's it's really going to depend on um the lineups that Ricky puts out. Oh, um, I think I really th- <laughs> dude, oh. I hate I hate that it has to come back to Rick, but this this reality of it, man. It's uh, it's how aggressive we're going to be. Are we going to send our best bats out there? If I'm Rick Renteria, absolutely. You know what? This is an opportunity where we can beat up on a good team. St. Louis is a good team. 
Yeah, St. Louis, absolutely. St. Louis has been a good team for a long time, and there's still a lot of talent on that squad. You know what? I don't care how many days they have off. Send your best out there like they just played yesterday. Like, give give this team a shot in the arm. Like, you see the St. Louis team? You see how many World Series they've won in, like, the last 10 years? Yeah, we're right there. We are there. Like, we are at that level. Like that's, that's the kind of, you know, motivation you need for the team, you know? And I was thinking about it. Like when you were saying like, you know, throwing the bats on the ground and telling somebody to pick it up, that's a great analogy, first of all, but you know, that's, that's not even what Ricky needs to do. Ricky just needs to be able to instill confidence in these players, you know? And that's just, that's just not it, man. Tapping them on the ass and telling them they're doing great when they're batting 196 isn't going (laughs) to do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know what, and you want to know what fixed the 196 average? A team that hasn't played in 17 days. Send out your best guys out there. Make them hit the fo- make them hit the baseball. I almost said football for some reason. Make them hit the baseball. Give your pitcher some confidence. You know, like I think Lucas Giolito is going to end up starting one of those games, isn't he? Uh, based on the rotation, yes. Yeah. So give give Lucas a good start. Give Lucas a start where he can fan seven, eight batters, if not more. You know, hopefully a scoreless ball game where we can get some offense offense behind him. And guess what? Lucas is pitching up, juiced up the next time he's out there. You know, and that's and at Dallas Keuchel, you don't even necessarily need that. He's going to go out and handle business anyway. That's 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 the championship pedigree in that guy. But you know what? I think if you score a lot of runs and you win ball games convincingly, even with a Keiko on the mound, you don't have Keiko barking in your ear as much because he, uh, he actually trusts that his manager is handling that stuff for him. You know, I, I just really think this is a good opportunity for the white Sox to win over a good ball club and uh, really get some confidence going because you know, those early se- those early series with the twins in Cleveland are going to come back to haunt us. If we do not start going on a run hundred percent, because you have St. Louis for um, <clears throat> for three this weekend to Saturday, like I said, and then Sunday, and then you have Detroit and then you play the Cubs at Wrigley. Um, look, this is again, this is an opportunity. It's it's here's the thing in, in past years, the white Sox would put a couple wins together and then they would immediately sputter and lose 11 to 1. And now with the team that, that that is constructed, obviously there's there's some injuries here and there. Um Aaron Bummer reports are that he's feeling better, his bicep is is loosening. Um Nick Madrigal, the status on him, I mean we're just we're waiting for this guy to come back because whether you you'd like to think it or not, he's an asset in the lineup at the bottom. Um it it just feels like there's a real opportunity to build off of that series in Detroit and I would love to see it because we talk about it all the time. I mean, the talent that's in this lineup is nuts and it's just putting it together. I know the oddity of the 60 game season. I I get that, but it's almost, it's almost better. Like, Hey, 60 games. This is anybody's. I mean, the Colorado Rockies were not going to win the national league West. If this was 162 game season, I'm pretty confident in that. And here they are sitting atop the NL West. So it's anybody's taking, um, I'm sorry, Minnesota got uh, it got swept by Kansas City. And, you know, the, it, I mean, look, let's get it together. Like, there's a serious opportunity here. So we'll see how the White Sox uh, progress. And we're, we're hoping, obviously, for uh, for the best. The only thing that I can say that I'm, that I'm really 100% certain on is Cody Hoyer is our best young pitcher. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I, uh, I really like what I see out of him. Um, and I really think there's a lot of potential there for the future. Um, 
As far as young pitchers go, though, I really, really want to make a point to uh, some growth that I've seen out of uh, Dylan Cease. And I know this isn't going to necessarily be the most popular take because, you know, every everyone expects the top tier pitcher to come in and be great. You know, I think everyone got a little too spoiled when we had Chris Sale come up through the uh, through the pipeline. But, um, you know, I really see something with Dylan Cease. I think he has some overpowering stuff. And, you know, for his for his size and frame, the fact that he could put out an 88, uh, 98 mile per hour fastball in the, you know, all the way through to the third to fourth inning, that's impressive. Um, I really think um, a breaking ball on the outside of the plate would be huge for him. Um, I think he gets a little bit, a little bit too, too dependent on his slider when he wants something off speed. And uh, I, I don't let, you know, I, I was talking about it on Twitter the other day. I really don't like his changeup either. Um but, you know, I really think he's a guy that if he gets it going, you know, that gives a Giolito, uh, you know, it really gives our entire starting rotation, you know, a big shot in the arm. Giolito, Keuchel, Cease, you know, Gio, who's been solid so far. Um, and, yeah, dude, honestly, like, I, I really like what I've seen out of, uh, I believe his first name is Matt Foster. Matt Foster, I, yeah. I really, yeah, I really like what I've seen out of him too. You know, has he been perfect? You know, maybe not. But I really think that's another arm that uh, has a strong, uh, strong potential in the in the uh, in the grand scheme of things. And dude, you know, look at Alex Colome uh, in the ninth inning. Like, yeah, are, I was gonna are... I was gonna bring that up because there were a little bit when the White Sox were not putting things together when they were they were losing a couple games here and there. I did see people on Twitter go well. Alex Colomay's trade bait, you know, come August 31st. And look, he's five for five in save opportunities. How about let's just not get in that situation. Let's not get into a situation where we can sell things off. Let's let's be a contender at the end of August and quite possibly not make a move at all because our team, you know, we, we feel confident in, in the team that we have, barring any injury, of course. But yeah, I'm with you. Alex Colome is uh, he's a staple at the back end of the bullpen. Bummer Colome at the you know in the late innings. I mean that is it's absolutely lethal, um, and it's just a matter of again putting it together. And by the way, I, I said that I didn't like Tim Anderson in the leadoff spot a couple weeks ago. Bad take. It's a bad take on my part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, that guy can naturally hit anything. And uh, he he just gets so juiced up. He just gets he just goes nuts, man. My favorite part like, did did you see did you see his uh, his post game um, after after uh, Wednesday afternoon's game in Detroit? So no, I didn't catch that. So, I, was, I was actually on the way to work. So somebody um, I I don't remember who it was, but but a reporter asked him in the Zoom call. He's like, so uh, Tim, how do you uh, how do you explain your your shushing gesture? You know, uh, getting to third. And Anderson, he goes, let him sleep, man. Let him sleep. And the reporter was like, I'm sorry? And all he, all Tim Anderson did was like, he just said it louder. He's like, let him sleep. Uh, it, <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Tim Anderson brings so much swagger to the game of baseball. It's it's awesome to see. And I just thought it was funny how, like, he just, his phrases, no one understands it. It's like, like, like let him walk or, like, we'll run through you. Like, what is this guy talking about? And, like, of course, the, you know, the younger people understand it, but all, all these all these suit reporters are like, write that down. I don't know what he said. I'm going to have to ask somebody. I don't I don't know. Should that be a headline? I just I don't get it. Um, but, yes, Tim Anderson is the heart and soul of this, of this baseball team, almost had football team, and um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But big games on Saturday and Sunday against St. Louis. 
Let's move on really quickly to the Chicago Bears. As you said before, you're a Bears guy with Lucas Perfetti at ONTAP Sportsnet. Is there anything noteworthy that has been going on in, in Bears camp um, that's that's should should be discussed, or are we kind of just continuing on with the motions and we'll just see how things play out? I'm going to be real with you, Josh. It's been pretty brutal over – and it's not just Bears. It's NFL in general. Yeah. Um. You know, and I'm actually going to be discussing this uh, a pretty decent amount on Bears on Tap this week. Um, you know, really with what's going on with college football right now, it leaves a lot of uncertainty in the air, especially with the Big Ten just announcing that they're going to cancel their fall schedule. Yep. Um, I think, you know, really any head coach, any any head coach worth a damn, is not going to want to release anything to the media. They're not going to want to release any more than they need to. Mm-hmm. I think uh, guy, I think a guy like Belichick is prime example of that you know he's a pretty uh, pretty stone faced guy when he's asked questions. But um, and you know that's kind of what I've gathered from Nagy. Nagy's a lot nicer about how he does it. You know he's a lot more of a sociable guy. Obviously he's younger, so he's kind of uh, oh god, I'm going to cringe when I say this, but he's kind of more hip. To the I was situation, just going to say yeah yeah. Oh dude, I <laughs> I hate the word hip man. It just sounds. Uh, but uh you know he's he's kind of more understanding of like you know i have to do this i'm the head coach i'm the face of one of like one of the biggest face of the team i'm the guy that has to stand on the podium and say this stuff mm-hmm. but really dude i watch matt Nagy talk for 20 minutes at least once a week in his uh media days and i'm just i'm getting nothing and part you know obviously the journalist side of me hates it because it's like well you're giving me absolutely nothing to write about but on the other side of it as a bears fan i'm loving every second of it because he's not tipping his hat whatsoever yeah. and that's that's how matt's been it, you know this is the same guy that threw a giant fit when people were releasing clips from uh practices or training camps uh the past two years you know so and you know and he's a guy that obviously the the memes about him in the preseason are you know they create themselves because he doesn't <laughs> like showing his hand yeah. That's the kind of guy he is. So really, Bears, the Bears have been hard to get a lot of uh, a lot of stories out of. Um, obviously, you're going to get disrespect for guys like Cleo Mack and Eddie Jackson. I feel like I've been battling that yeah. all off season anyway. So everyone everyone should know at this point. And if they don't know, they can at me at that pod guy Duke and tell me why Cleo Mack or Eddie Jackson is terrible, so I can put you in your place. Um, get them. Yeah. But besides that, dude, I'm just I'm ready. The biggest thing I'm waiting for, and I think I speak for a lot of us, we're just waiting for the green light. We want to hear the green light. Games are going to happen. Games are going to happen on time. You know, we want to kind of hear the details of how everything's going to work out, if they're going to have the different face masks, if they're going to be using, you know, you know, how things are going to go on the sidelines, what's going to happen if a coach gets catches it, what's going to happen with how players are handled. Is it going to be a bubble situation like we're dealing with with hockey right now or, or – quote-unquote baseball even though we've definitely had chinks in the armor there um you know so i guess we're really just kind of waiting from that uh that that press release from the nfl where we're full go nfl season's gonna go this is how we're gonna handle it and uh we're gonna stick by it so until we really get that it's gonna be hard to kind of talk about too much but um i'm excited I think I think that's the easiest way I can put it. I think if you're a Bears fan, you should be excited about this team. I don't just say that to blow hot air up their, you know, up their ass. I really think this is a team that is hungry. I think this is a team that you really didn't have a lot of players opt out of because they realize that there is a window here and these guys want to win football games. You know, dude, Khalil Mack's paid. Khalil Mack could have easily just sat at home this year and still been a rich man. You know what? That guy wants to go on the football field. He wants to terrorize players, and he wants to win a Super Bowl. 
So I think that's kind of the attitude you're getting out out of that locker room. Um, you got Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, who, from what Matt Nagy has said, um, they've been working together really well, and that's really going to work out. That's going to benefit both of them. I think it's going to benefit Mitch Trubisky even more working well with Nick Foles because I think he can learn a lot from a guy like Nick Foles. And, uh, you know, I think everything I've heard, you know, it, it can all be speculation, but I think I think you should be excited about the Chicago Bears this season. Well, we, uh, I mean, we're, we're waiting for that green light. We're waiting for, for obviously a lot more information um, through the NFL. And we'll get to a little bit more uh, after the break, but um, now we'll, we'll transition into a little bit of national stuff uh, after the 90-second break. George Kittle gets his uh, five-year extension with the San Francisco 49ers. Is he worth it? We'll talk about the Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger situation with the Cleveland Indians, as well as Jerry Jones being, well, Jerry Jones. We'll be back in 90 seconds from word for our sponsors right here on Natty Nights. From the first pitch to the final buzzer, OnTap Sportsnet has got you covered for all your Chicago sports needs. Read up on the current state of your team on our website and listen to us banter during our team-specific podcast. Thirsty? We even have beer reviews to help you take the edge off. Follow us on Twitter at OnTap Sportsnet and get all the content you'll ever need at OnTapSportsNet.com. OnTap Sportsnet. It's what's on tap in Chicago. Hey guys, it's Ryan Green Machine Ebner here from the Big J and BB Show, your source for gaming, anime, and sports news. You can find us on your podcast platform of choice. Just search Big J and BB Show on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. Also find us on Twitter at Big J and BB Show. Now enjoy the next episode and stay breezy. Hello everyone, I'm Undead Rebel, and you could find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash undeadredbull. You'll see a variety of content on stream, including sporting news, but my channel is more focused around video game content and playthrough of the hottest and newest video games currently out now. So, can't wait to see you in the stream to watch some epic fails, have some laughs, and maybe some OMG moments. Enjoy the rest of the show. Back here on Natty Nights, Chicago uh, segment of the show is in the books. Joined by Duke Coughlin at that Pod Guy Duke on Twitter. Some national news to discuss. Not a, not even crazy, but uh, of course discussion points nonetheless. We'll start with uh, back to baseball really quickly. Uh, Zach Plesac and Mike Clevenger both, uh, well, they made a boo boo. Uh, a pretty big one, actually. They they violated Major League Baseball's COVID protocol by leaving the team hotel while the, while they were in Chicago against Chicago White Sox. Uh, went to dinner with some boys and went back to the, this dude's house. They opened baseball cards, but hey, Plesak said we were being careful. This is yeah, a joke, right? Real careful, man. This is a joke, right? I mean, seriously, like. So TMZ reported this, and then, of course, it was all over the place. But Zach Plesak was like, I can't believe I'm, a, I'm, I'm being made out to be a monster. Like, this is ridiculous. I, I get it. We broke the rules, but, like, we were careful while we did it. It's like, come on, dude. Come, I mean, seriously? Like, the rules were in place. Obviously, some some of these rules aren't working, a la St. Louis Cardinals, Miami Marlins. Um, but you can't sit here and tell me that, like, you didn't know before you even left the hotel, before you even made these plans, you didn't know you were breaking the rules. 
Yeah, so, you know, really the biggest thing I have to go with this, um, regardless of how you feel about the about the virus or anything like that, um, you should be able to recognize how stupid this is. Because, <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, you know, I'm a football fan over here. I'm a fan of every sport, but obviously the Bears is the biggest thing that I cover. Things like this hurt the chances that I have of watching football this fall. Things like this hurt the chances of any sport returning. You know, it hurts the chances of college athletes. It hurts the chances of, uh, you know, big time conferences, college football, NFL. It hurts everybody because at the end of the day, and I feel like this has been a longstanding rule, even before, uh, you know, any virus or anything was going around. You listen to the team rules as much as you might not like them, as much as you might hate them, team rules are put in place to to protect your team, to protect you, to protect your teammates and every everything. You know what I mean? Regardless if it's you going out and being an idiot in the media a couple of years ago, or regardless of you trying to be safe, you know, considering the virus right now. You have to listen to team rules. Yes, you have to accept the fact that people are going to look at you as a villain because there are rules in place. The league has already had issues with the Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals, as we've talked about. And I'm not going to just try to completely steal this point from you, but there has to be accountability. Like you have to understand your place here. You are a major league baseball player. This, there was a large labor dispute before all of this to get you guys playing again. And people are back at work. People are enjoying the fact they're playing. Mike Trout wants to continue to play baseball. You know, Yoel Mankata wants to continue to play baseball. Top-level players in baseball want to continue to play. They want to make a playoff happen. They want, to, they want a World Series or whatever is going to happen to happen. And when you think of yourself and you want to go hang out with the boys instead of following team rules while you're getting paid millions of dollars, I'm sorry, you're not going to get sympathy. That's just the, that's the meat and potatoes of it. You're not going to get sympathy for breaking team rules. You're not going to get sympathy for going out and thinking of yourself especially in a time like this where you should really be mindful of others. Well, and the crazy thing that it, like what I really gathered from, from police comments and, and look, do I know the guy personally? Absolutely not. Obviously. But like, it just kind of seems like he was, um, he was kind of being a douchebag about it. Like when you sit here and say, look, I was, I was with no more than eight guys. Uh, we went back to, to the, to, to his house after dinner and we opened baseball cards and it's like, oh, and then he's like, oh, and we were following CDC protocol. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> so are you going to tell me that you asked, let's just say it was Plesak, Clevenger, and four other guys to make it six. You're going to sit here and tell me that you, you interviewed those four other people and said, who have you come in contact in the past week? How about you? You, you, do you know anybody who has COVID? Have you gotten tested before? Do you have a fever? How about a cough? Dry mouth? No? What, anything? Like, you can't sit here and tell me that he did that. So for him to be like, well, I mean, we did, we followed the rules. No, you didn't. The rules of your employer, Major League Baseball, come before the CDC rules. You fall under the Major League Baseball protocol and you broke it. So... Look, there's some Indians, uh, Indians players who are calling both of them out. And like, look, they put us in danger. They, they really hurt us because we're not going to have either one of them now and, you know, for, for an extended period of time, and we needed them. And Mike Clevenger was like, yeah, sorry, I went and partied with Zach Plesak. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just it, it's a, it was a really, really irresponsible thing to do, and 
not a good look for baseball because, um, well, really, I mean, we'll get to it in a second. A lot of these guys, a handful of these guys, I should say, aren't really – uh, their urges are taking over, <laughs> if that's uh, if that's a good way to transition. So we'll see we'll see if anything else happens with Zach Plesac and Mike Clevenger. Uh, but nonetheless, Terry Francona was like, "Look, we got to decide on what we're going to do with these guys," uh, because he's to our point. Ricky Renteria, Terry Francona is not afraid to uh, lay down the law with his players, no matter who they are. So again, we'll see how that goes over the next couple of days. I'm sure something will come about, and um, I'm sure we'll have another discussion a little bit about it. But I just want to mention this. Speaking of breaking team rules, uh, his name is escaping me, so I don't know if you have it on the tip of your tongue, but uh, the rookie uh, corner on, on Seattle got cut today. Um, I'm blanking. Oh, I, I'm blanking. You know what? When If you get cut for something like that, it's really not that important to have your name anyway. It's just so uh, he... He got cut from the Seahawks because he was trying to sneak in a girl into the team hotel. And he got caught on video. That's my favorite part. It's like, I'm just picturing him, right? So if, if you guys are listening to the podcast, you're not going to be able to see this. But the live stream, <laughs> I'm just picturing him going, like, sneaking like sneaking around a wall and going. <laughs> and then, you know, the you know Pete Carroll's like, is this guy serious? Like, I'm watching you live right now. And then he texts him, like, you're cut. Pack your shit. Uh, look, you're bringing a girl. what is it that important man like you're a rookie (laughs) you have a chance to make this team (laughs) and now you're cut so i just i wanted to mention that because uh i just i thought it was a little i thought it was funny um sticking with some football george kittle gets the extension that he's uh, been waiting for five years 75 million with the san francisco 49ers obviously a top tight end in the league you're the football guy is he worth it Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's not even, uh, it's not even looking at the grand scheme of things among, uh, other tight ends, which is really where that's going to come into, but it's his value for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, San Francisco is a team that runs the football and they run the football a lot. And it's because they really have, uh, you know, uh, a trio of backs back there. So, I mean, why wouldn't you run the football? You know, it seems like every guy that comes up in the backfield is, you know, averaging a four or five yard gain. When you have that and you have a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, who I will say, uh, you know, Eastern Illinois guy, whatever, everyone likes him. I have no problems personally with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not worth the money that he's getting paid. But when you have a quarterback like that, who is limited in that kind of sense to where you don't want him to throw a ton you need that safety valve. You need that top guy that when you throw him the football, it's almost a guaranteed catch. And who better than George Kittle for that situation? George Kittle is essentially the number one receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. I think you could look at him in the same vein of uh, what the Chicago Bears had with Greg Olson back in the day, Ouch. where we had nobody wide receiver, but we had Greg Olson. That was that was our passing offense. You know, obviously we had Matt Forte in the backfield. That's neither here nor there. Um, San Francisco had that George Kittle's it. And when George Kittle is injured, it's, you know, I think he might have missed a game or two last year. It was very noticeable how different that offense was when George Kittle was not on the field. So uh, absolutely, I think George Kittle deserves that money. Um, not only is he a top tight end in the NFL, but I think his value to a team like San Francisco, who, you know, was in the Super Bowl last year and probably wants to try getting back. 
that's that's a guy they need. They cannot afford to mess around with. They, that's a deal they need to get done. He's also like like if you have a guy <clears throat> like George Kittle who has a band around his arm with a with a, a, a red circle that he claims is an on off button, and he slaps it in the game. The dude is a freak. Like, <laughs> I mean, look, I I would love uh, on the Bears. I would love to have a, a tight end like. George Kittle, who knows what uh, what Cole Komet's going to turn into, but uh, not to put too much pressure on the rookie, Jesus. But let's really quickly, because I know that um, <clears throat> I know that the tight end field, if, if in a fantasy perspective, is uh, it gets bleak after the first couple names. If you had to go top five tight ends in the league, who do you who's in your top five? And it doesn't have to be so, necessarily in order. I think it, I think the people would like you to put it in order, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, for the sake of argument, I'm not going to put it in order. Um, so I definitely – Kittle's definitely in there. Um, Travis Kelsey, I think that's the other obvious one. Right. Um, I definitely have to give one to uh, – wow, man, this, is, this is actually a good one. Um, I really think Rob Gronkowski is still a, still? Still a top tight end. Still, oh, oh dude, you, you you have him with Tom. I don't Tom know. For... I don't know. I don't know you, about you, that one. I don't know. I I think I think Rob in ten games does what most tight ends wish they would do in an entire career. Personally, especially when you have Tom Brady throwing him. I mean, football. we'll see how his body holds up. That that's the that's gonna be the the question mark of man. I uh I did uh I I did a research kind of a little project uh on my last podcast. I remember when Gronk retired when I was kind of doing the podcast game on my own, I did a comparative statistic analysis of Rob Gronkowski and Tony Gonzalez. And if Rob Gronkowski played the same amount of games as Tony Gonzalez, the numbers that Gronk would have put up were unearthly. (laughs) Absolute insanity. Yes. You're right though. Health is healthy is the key, but man, Rob Gronkowski, when he is on the field is just a nightmare. Uh, but anyway, just not to just sit on Gronk the whole time. Um, yeah, so Kittle, uh, Kittle, Kelsey, Gronk. Um, oh, there's someone who's really escaping me, a very a top-level tight end. Um, hmm. Zach Ertz? Yeah, I – I, yeah, I guess I guess you got to put Ertz in the top five, and I'm gonna get Eagles fans angry at me for not even think about it. Um, Ertz is <laughs> definitely there. Um, Ertz, I think he has uh, injury problems as well. So I mean, I guess if I put Gronk in there, I got to put Ertz in there. Um, geez, I'm really freaking Hunter Henry. Uh, no, Kyle I can't Rudolph. do Rudolph. I really like. Nah, I can't do Rudolph either. Um, um, I, look, I probably look terrible right now. I'm the football guy. Yeah. <laughs> Put you on the spot, uh, gosh, to be fair. There, there, there's one that's just escaping me. I know it. He's a touchdown machine. Um, I know. I'm starting to blank a little bit, too, here. Uh, seriously? This is really the state where we're at with tight ends yeah, right now. Yeah. I, I, wow. I'm... I'm crashing and burning right give now. Give me a dude. coast. Somebody give me an area. Give me, the, the, give me the area of the United States. Let's figure this out. Uh, it almost feels like it's uh, in the in the NFC South. Oh, you know what? Austin Hooper. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cleveland now. I think I would put Hooper in there. Um, I, I, did Hooper go back to Atlanta? I think 
Something might have moved. But um, no, he's Austin Cleveland. Really... Cleveland. Did he really? Uh, yeah, pretty sure. Oh, good lord! Baker's gonna ruin that kid. <laughs> uh, that's that's a discussion for another day. Uh, I think Austin Hooper is definitely a, a top level tight end as well. Um, I wish I could say Jimmy Graham, but he's just not there anymore. Um, really, and you know, I I feel like that's kind of where we're at, dude. You know, I I think us blanking on the top tight ends is kind of like it, it. It's kind of intuitive to where the NFL is at right now. The Greg Olsons of the world, the Vernon Davises of the world, you know, the Antonio Gates of the world. These guys are all they're gone. You know what I mean? They're here, but they're gone. You know, we we had this kind of tight end renaissance there for a minute, and it feels like every team right now is drafting a tight end in the first or second round. And that's kind of where, you know, that's where we're going with it. I think there's a lot of openness to the top tight ends in the game right now. And, you know, the fact that name recognition isn't a thing, you know, I, I consider myself a football guy and I had a hard time naming the top five tight ends. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That disappoints me. But at the same time, what is the tight end position in the NFL right now? You think OJ Howard's underrated? Let me tell you something about OJ Howard. OJ Howard Uh-oh. looked really good in an Alabama system, and he's a big-bodied guy that's athletic. But mm-hmm. man, if I, I I just don't trust him in a two-minute situation to consistently catch a football. That's that that that's like the number one thing with tight end man. Yeah. You got to catch the football. Yeah, and that's why I think uh, that's why I think Zach Ertz is a staple in the top five because, I mean, when uh, when when Philly lost all of their receivers, he was the guy. I mean, he's he's a constant safety blanket for um, for Carson Wentz. But um, we'll wrap things up a little bit and don't do. Hope you got it ready. Heat check is coming at the end of the show, but I want to quickly get to this point. Um, an NFL discussion, if you will. It's it's sort of a loaded topic, but the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones basically have no problem coming out and saying that they plan on playing in front of fans in 2020. What is your take on this? Like, I, I wanted to save that question. I wanted to ask you when the Bears topic came up, but do you, like, are you cool with them going forward with it, like, with no bubble? Like, it just kind of feels like they're in a little bit of denial. I, I, I don't know. They have an opportunity to do this thing right. Like, they, they, they get the they get the chance to see the MLB and the NBA and the NHL handle it all before them. And they get to see what mistakes are made, what works, what doesn't, what issues they could possibly run into. And yet they're still going forward with their stance of like, hey, we're going to play football. You know, I uh, and this was kind of one of the bigger things that I kind of had with uh, with the Big Ten kind of uh, deciding they were going to be the first like major conference to shut down. Um, I, I really think there's more to be seen with how the NHL and the, and the MLB is handling things before you can really say gung ho that you're not going to do something, or if you are going to do something, um, you know, I, I see a lot of, uh, high school sports right now being affected, um, especially with football track, stuff like that. Um, and they close down really quick. You know, they closed down really quick after everything happened. Um, I'm not going to sit here and try to get political with, you know, how how anyone feels about how this is affecting people and everything like that. Sure, I feel yeah. like it's un- I, I feel like it's undeniable of how this, uh, you know, virus is affecting people. But I 
I just, I really think, um, I think you're really going too quick to kind of cancel something. And I really think people are going too quick to say for sure that things are going to happen. You know, you know, like you said earlier about dying on a hill. I just don't think you should be able to, I just don't think you should be dying on a hill really on any side of the issue right now. I think, uh, I think the NHL right now is knocked it out of the park with how they've handled this entire situation with the bubble. And I think that's been something that's proven to work. And I think MLB, while we have, you know, we're still getting baseball games and we're still getting a lot of baseball games for most teams. Most teams are behaving. We are getting these outliers like the Cleveland Indians, like, like the Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals, where it's still not working. And, you know, people can look at that as it's like, well, what well, they're not in a bubble. And I think, um, I think until you can prove that anywhere in the middle can work or not work, I think you're being very irresponsible to say that something's for sure going to happen or something's not going to happen. Yeah, that's kind of where where I'm at. I mean, look, if if it was me, if I was running the show, um, it'd be it'd be 100 percent bubble. It, it would. It's just what it is. It is what it is. Whether you have two or three or however many you need, the schedules get adjusted. This is an odd year. It's an odd time to be alive. And this is the way we're going to do it to create less risk for the league. But I guess I'll just continue to be the armchair uh, commissioner of every single league. I think it's more of a money thing. I think a lot of these teams have already come out. I mean, months ago, they were like, look, 25% capacity. If we can do it, that's what we're going to do. Uh, I, th- I think the NFL is more focused on money, but it is what it is. I just I wanted to bring that up to get your stance on it because um, I, I haven't really asked a, a football mind aside from aside from Ryan, and I think it's important to ask multiple people to get as many perspectives uh, as possible. Um, but I'll I'll kind of leave that open ended as we as we go through training camp and, and stuff like that um, through August. But that's gonna wrap up the show. I don't forget I'll I'll do the heat check, but I I have to uh, plug everybody's social media. Uh, myself on Twitter at Josh Barlog, Duke at that pod guy, Duke. Um, also at ONTAP Sportsnet, whatever you need. Uh, beer reviews, hot dog reviews. We had that first, Carl. Fuck you. Um, and uh, ONTAPSportsnet.com. But um, the heat check segment, I, I didn't do, oh, I did do, do this with you. You had the Aaron Rodgers take, which yep. could, could have happened. Uh, so we'll close things out with the heat check. Uh, with Chicago national sports, it doesn't matter. Your hottest take that you have right now, what is it? The wheels are spinning. If you say the Blackhawks are going to win the Stanley Cup, I might just end the stream now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to keep it non-hockey because otherwise, I'm just going to talk about the Avalanche. I don't want to do that. Um, you know, I don't even think this is a hot take, but it's just I'm so enamored by this guy's game that I have to say something about it. Um, I think Lewis Robert, top three AL MVP voting. Top not, three, not, not rookie of the year. Top three MVP. Top three MVP. I don't necessarily. Well, yeah, I don't think that's really a hot take. I, I you know, I, I think if you bring it up in the right circles, it's not. But I think if you bring <laughs> yeah. it up on the grand scale, people are going to look at it as like, ah, the White Sox get a, get a decent rookie, and they think they're all that. No, this Lewis Robert guy, he is, uh, he is the real deal. So like, I said my heat check for today. I don't do heat checks. They're they're for the guests. 
Uh, but my heat check is Luis Roberts going to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't. Again, Ooh. I don't know if that, that's that's a that's a slow burning one, right? That's there. Uh, yeah. That one's on that a while yeah. We road. we put we put the oven on low, and we're just waiting. We're letting the water simmer here. But yeah, no, I I I seriously think. I mean, his makeup is uh, it's wild, and and he's made baseball look effortless uh, in his obviously very very short career. Luis Roberts going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. So your take: top three MVP votes of twenty twenty. I could see it. I mean, if he continues it, I could see it. I don't necessarily think that's a, a spicy hot take. Uh, it's it's mild. Um, and mine, my, is, my Rogers take is still the one that I get people up with. I got it. Yeah, we got to tweet that out again just to rile up the Packers fans. Uh, <laughs> I'm all for it. Uh, but Duke, I appreciate you joining the show, man. I know uh, we, we like to keep these shows a little bit shorter, but you know, hey, when when we when I haven't talked sports with somebody for for a little bit, uh, things can can definitely escalate quickly. And these are one of those episodes. Hope everybody listening enjoyed the show. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, wherever you are, uh, hit that follow subscribe button, share it with a friend and uh, feedback is always welcomed. If you're interested in the four 99 advertising, that's $4 and 99 cents a month for an ad spot in the show. Uh, email me Joshua Barlog at gmail.com or on Twitter at Josh Barlog Duke again, man, I appreciate it. And, um, Hopefully we can do this a little bit more as the Bears season approaches. And don't forget, everybody, Bears on tap for all of your Bears news. Yeah, absolutely, man. I it's always a pleasure to come on, Josh. You've always been always always been a great guy to me, man. Anytime I can make time for you, I will do it. I appreciate it. Well, again, everybody, we appreciate you uh, tuning in, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ryan should be back tomorrow at Big J and BB Show, and we'll talk to you then.